So uh, Pastor Ernie invited uh, me to take this final Sunday on this series, What the World Needs Now. Uh, he, he has covered, as we've seen, love, uh, hope, and last Sunday he talked about joy, and today we want to talk about peace. What is something that is peaceful for you? Well, for me, uh, things like sitting in the backyard in, in our place here in Steinbach, uh, 497 Hanover Street, oh, maybe we should edit that, uh, we love having uh, fires around the, and sitting around the fire pit in the backyard. Or, to me, another area of, of peaceful place is, yeah, just being at the lake and, uh, you know, after end of a very lovely, blissful day, uh, just sitting and listening to the waves just kind of gently coming onto shore. Those, to me, are examples of uh, kind of situations that bring me peace. I suppose we could try and, uh, you know, the rest of our lives to manufacture those moments and, and live within them 24-7, just kind of be in that perpetual place. But the truth is, these moments uh, of peace tend to come out of external circumstances, uh, not so much internal well-being. We live in a world that longs for peace, um, but it seems to be in short supply these days. Uh, It doesn't take us long to look around us and watch news and so on, and we see all the the conflicts and brokenness, uh, natural disasters, man-made wars, and of course mistreatment and injustice around us. But also we discover that in our own relationships with those around us or dear to us, never mind uh, even the unsettledness in our own hearts uh, as we strive to be who God called us to be while still battling temptations and selfishness in our lives. So what is peace? What is this apparently elusive state that we are longing for? Shalom is probably the best uh, known and most famous word in the Hebrew language. Uh, But its meaning is broad, and in the NIV alone, there are 70 different ways that it's translated. So it's quite a, while it's a very well-known word, it's it's a very complex uh, word. The Hebrew translation of shalom is completeness, or wholeness, or well-being, or Uh, welfare and peace, it is derived from a root that means to be or to be made complete. When shalom is best translated as peace, this peace is more than the mere absence of war or strife. It describes a peace that is positive, a, a time, a place, a condition that features things like love and righteousness, calmness, even political and moral uprightness, and so much more. It also refers to times in our lives when our relationships and our circumstances uh, are in a healthy place. Uh, We recall well the parable that Jesus shares of the 99 sheep that are safe and secure, but there's one still uh, out there somewhere. And so until that one sheep is back, there's no shalom. Once that sheep is back in the fold, then there's that shalom, that peace, that completeness again. Well, people search for peace uh, in a variety of places. I want to share just a couple examples. Number one, people search for peace in other people. Let me point out one example in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 5, where we have the birth of a new child, which was going to be the hope of peace. Uh, Lamech declares this, his hope that peace would be found in his son Noah. Yeah, Noah and the ark, that guy. Uh, he says in, in chapter 5, 28, uh, Lamech says, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands. So they're placing their hope in another person, in their son. 
Today we see this whole place in our lives on a, uh, sorry, on other people in a, on a daily level. Uh, just listen for a, a minute to the political news from around the world where people hope for peace, comfort, and ease from those who are in positions of leadership. We even had that as one of our prayer items this morning on the slides, that we would be praying for our, our leaders and so on, that uh, we, we want to trust that they're going to make good decisions and that will help us to have peace in our lives. And of course we can bring this right back into our own kitchens, uh, where if only our kids were better behaved or our spouse wasn't so disorganized, we'd have more peace. We all too often search for peace in other people. But then also, people search for peace in material possessions. I'm just as guilty of this as anyone, seeking peace and comfort to the turmoil in my soul internally with external material possessions. If I only owned this new tool or that new appliance, then things in my life would be way less stressful and I'd, I'd have peace. For some reason, that would equal peace. Uh, I clearly remember as a young man and uh, driving around in my little beat-up Honda Civic uh, that I'd paid about uh, 600 bucks for, and I was like, it was a good car. It was actually a, a really good car, a really reliable car. It took me all over the place, and, and yet there is this, you know, I, I want something better. I want something newer, a little more sporty, and I couldn't take my mind off of it. And, of course, you know how the story goes. I, I paid too much for it. I, uh, I got this new car, newer car. It wasn't new. And it turns out it was the worst car I've ever had. And uh, it was no end of troubles. It was just what they call a lemon of a car. Caused me no end in stress. Definitely not peace-inducing. Jesus himself taught a powerful parable about this in in Luke chapter 12. uh, About the rich fool who tore down his smaller barns and built larger ones. So that he could what? Eat, drink, and be merry. Just have a good life. And what did God say to him? You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. So what are the dangers of searching for peace in other people or material possessions or, for that matter, anywhere else other than God? Well, there's a few dangers, and I've come up with a couple of them. Number one, it can lead to greed. Uh, In the story I just mentioned above about, you know, the, the, the car that I wanted and longed for, uh, it was blatantly obvious that striving for peace in a material possession led to greed. I want that. I need that. I have to have that to enjoy peace and fulfillment. The writer of Ecclesiastes in chapter 4 verse 6 says, Better one handful with tranquility or peace than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I think it's fair to say that contentment is not only the antidote of greed, but also the path to peace in our lives. Contentment is the path to peace. Number two, uh, it can lead to suffering and bondage. Does anyone here have a story about regret in their lives? Yeah, I think most of us, when we think about, have, about regret, it has to often do with striving after peace or fulfillment in something other than God alone. And if we're completely honest with ourselves, this regret often or usually leads to suffering and or bondage of some, site, some type in our lives. We have the story of regret in Genesis chapter 42 when after selling their brother Joseph to get rid of his annoying and unsettling fantasies and dreams, the Lord uses Joseph himself to demonstrate the consequences of 
the brothers' actions. In fact, when they are confronted by Joseph in Egypt, uh, whom, of course, they initially don't recognize, they immediately suspect that the Lord is punishing them for what they did to Joseph more than 20 years previously. For 20 years, they had wrestled in their souls because as soon as this was happening, that was the first thing they thought of. The suffering and bondage they experienced reminds us that looking for peace in the wrong places will always end badly, whether in this life or even more sad in the next life. Well, number three, it can lead to destruction. Do you live simply for yourself, or is the well-being of others around you, including loved ones, important? We'd all like to think, well, of course, yeah, we're not that selfish or self-centered, but in all honesty, this can be a struggle. Let me point out what I mean. In 2 Kings chapter 20, we read about Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and he was facing illness, it says, to the point of death. And he pleaded with the Lord for healing. While God graciously heals him and tells him that he would give him 15 more years of life. Nothing to see here, right? An answer to prayer, a beautiful story. But we know the problem. When the son of the Babylonian king sent messengers with gifts to Hezekiah out of, quote, concern for his health, it says in verse 13 of of, uh, 2 Kings 20 that... Quote, there was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. In other words, he literally sold out the entire kingdom to Babylon, including his own flesh and blood, as it says in verse 18, who would be torn from their homes and taken captive to Babylon. And why? Because it says in verse 19 that Hezekiah thought, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. Now, I am quickly able to judge Hezekiah, right? I could say, wow, what a self-centered man that was. But that's the reality of how we often live ourselves. This was a case where the pursuit of personal peace in the short term led to the destruction of his own descendants in the kingdom itself in the long term. No, it's not in others or in possessions that we find peace and the pursuit of peace in these wrong places can and will lead to greed suffering and destruction so what's the alternative where or to whom do we turn for peace who is the source of peace well true and lasting peace is found only in god isaiah 26 verse 3 that's the call to worship verse you you god will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you, in God alone. Peace is a word reserved for those who walk with God in a positive relationship. In other words, peace in this life is only found in Jesus Christ because nothing else brings certainty and nothing else brings relationship with the creator of the universe than does our personal surrender to Jesus Christ. Peace peace is the birthright of every believer in all circumstances. It is found only in God. And here's a key. It is maintained through having a close relationship with him. Now, God's ultimate provision of peace is discovered in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is only through Christ that peace with God can be achieved and maintained. John reiterated uh, in chapter 14 and 16 that the peace Jesus gave was Jesus' own peace, not the peace that the world tries to manufacture. 
This is our promise, and this is what we and our world needs to embrace. So, my question is, what does peace mean for us when the rubber meets the road? What does it mean for us in life as we go through day after day? Well, in times of sickness, number one, in times of sickness, pressure, and hardships, the peace of God gives us rest. Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, part of our scripture this morning, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Peace is available today, particularly when we are weary and burdened. What are you weary from today? What burdens are you carrying? Jesus invites us, he invites you and I, to give to him our burdens and the baggage that wearies us. And when we do, he says, he will give us rest and peace, strength and comfort, perseverance and joy. And let's just clarify that this yoke that Jesus is referring to uh, in that passage that we just looked at is not the heavy wooden restraint two oxen together you know, are carrying so that they can pull heavy loads. No, the Pharisees had spoken of people being called to, quote, carry the yoke of the Torah, which, in other words, that heavy burden of the Jewish law with all its commandments. Jesus offered a completely different yoke, which, because it came from his mercy and love, was easy to bear. The yoke of a life and relationship with Jesus is easy, and his burdensome call to live beneath his grace is actually light. The ease and the joy, the rest and the refreshment, which he offered, all spring from his own inner character. What a beautiful picture of who Christ is. His gentleness and his warmth to all who turn to him, weighed down by burdens that are moral, physical, emotional, financial, whatever burdens you carry, God is saying, lay those at my feet. I will take care of them. Paul also reminds Timothy in chapter 4 of his second letter, recalling his first defense when he was arrested in Jerusalem. And I found this story quite interesting. Acts chapter 21 and 22 is where, where Paul is defending himself uh, in front of this crowd, a crowd that was hostile towards him, and a crowd that had the judicial power to, to uh, sentence him to death. And he says this, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Wow, powerful words. But then he goes on to say, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The peace of God walking with us, carrying us, delivering us. Peace in the times of sickness and pressure and hardships in our lives. And then number two, I would say, in times uh, of death and grief, the peace of God gives us hope. And we already talked about that earlier this month. Uh, like you, I've attended many funerals in my, my life. In fact, I find it a very important thing to do because it keeps my own life in perspective. Uh, most of these funerals have thankfully been for people who are followers of Jesus, but sadly I've attended a few where that's not been the case. As we know, we do have hope. And peace when we know that a loved one is heaven bound, though a grief of their loss can be unbearable. John 14 reminds us that God is preparing a place for us in his mansion to live in his presence for the rest of eternity. And for those who remain here, 
What is our peace? What is the peace right now for those in our church family that have lost loved ones through this last uh, number of months in our church? Or for my co-worker and friend, Ken, whose son died suddenly just a couple of days ago. 1 Thessalonians 4 encourages us that we have hope that because Jesus died and rose again, our loved ones are also alive with Christ and we will join them when our days are over. Peace is available to each one. So how do we as followers of Jesus maintain our peace? Especially when each day something new catches us off guard or something old haunts us incessantly. Now full disclosure here. I am a worrier. I struggle with worry and anxiousness. I often lose sleep because I'm lying in bed thinking about all sorts of stuff that I can do nothing about most of the time. And... uh, I worry. I struggle with that. In fact, when Pastor Ernie uh, approached me about, hey, Gerald, would you take this message on peace? I was like, well, this would be hypocritical for me to say yes because I wrestle with peace in my own life. But then I figured, well, if I don't dig into this and and apply it to my own life, then I'm missing this great opportunity. So so I'd like to say that since I started preparing for this message several weeks ago, I have been worry-free. Nope, that's not the case. I still continue to struggle with worry and anxiousness and and so on. But I truly believe that after doing this research and this study of God's Word and being time, spending time in prayer the last several weeks about this, I do feel like I have more tools and more understanding of who God is and how I can walk in peace in the coming uh, season of life. So here are a couple of tools uh, that that I want to share with you. Number one, Remain in Christ. It seems pretty simple, but I think that is a key. John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. What fruit? Well, the fruit of the Spirit in as one example, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As followers of Christ, this fruit is evidence that we are being spirit-led. Now, we don't bear this fruit by our own efforts, but by inviting the Holy Spirit to manifest this fruit in our lives, to manifest it through us, to, to reveal His nature in and through us. Spend time with Jesus. Trust your life with him. Invite him into those worries and fears. Gerald, I need to invite Jesus into my worries and fears. And then activate my relationship with the Savior. Give him the priority of our time, talents, and treasures. When we nurture our relationship with Jesus, he will bless us with peace that passes all understanding. Number two, live by the Holy Spirit. Romans Chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. May I just say that the old cliche is true. Garbage in, garbage out. What are we filling our minds with? What are we spending time thinking about? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? We all know that whatever we consume in Literature or media, it will leave its mark, whether good or bad. 
And if this consumption is only what the world offers, even the best of what the world offers gives us nothing compared to the supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter tells us in his second letter, chapter 2, he says, quote, Lot, a righteous man, living among the filthy lives of lawless men day after day in Sodom, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Even as righteous, God-fearing men and women, the battle against the forces of darkness is real. How do we withstand this? Well, Philippians chapter 4, which we've already spent time with uh, studying this last month, it says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So I encourage you, invite the Holy Spirit to lead you. Learn to listen to his voice. Establish patterns and disciplines in your life that welcome the Holy Spirit. A mind set on the Spirit is a mind that is filled with peace and life. Number three, obey God's word. Psalm 119 uh, verse 165 to 167, it says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. Do you and I want peace in our lives? Then we need to do what the Bible tells us to do. Kind of like the Superbook video that we saw earlier in our service. Walk in obedience to the teachings of Christ. Reflect the values and the purposes that God has given us in his word. Did you hear that? Reflect the values and purposes that God has given us. Here are some examples that I've seen happen in our churches. I remember so clearly how as a, a teenager, our youth group would go to North Maine uh, to serve food to the men and women at Union Gospel Mission. It opened my eyes to what it really means to bring dignity to a demographic that is rejected in our society. Another example, uh, EMC missionaries Angel and Blanca Infantes, who are working in Guadalajara, Mexico, uh, every few months they go to the train station uh, to bring food, clean drinking water, and blankets to the immigrants who are fleeing gang-controlled countries in Central America and traveling north to try and find life and peace in new places. Another example, we have a sister church in Cuauhtémoc, Mexico, uh, whose ministry is to the handicapped and homeless. It's a beautiful, amazing ministry they do. They have a meal program, a, a trade shop to teach skills. Um, uh, they have a prayer ministry that is the most amazing prayer ministry I've ever been a part of. Uh, and nothing to say that our church doesn't have a great prayer ministry, but uh, being in a group of people that um, are poor and don't have access to you know, good medical care like we do here, the prayer ministry in that church is simply amazing. Um, they meet the needs of each person in this poor neighborhood where they are located with dignity and a holistic gospel. One more story from my youth. We had a gentleman in uh, our church uh, in Pleasant Valley, EMC, where I grew up, who, though a farmer by trade, had a passion to care for men in the Stony Mountain Penitentiary. So once a month, this quiet, humble man who has already gone to be with the Lord would go to the jail and just sit and listen and chat with the men, uh, love on them, and sing with them. Only the Lord knows the impact 
that he had for eternity on those precious lives. Let's put our faith into action. Let's obey God's word. Let's obey Matthew 25. 25. When I was sick, you came and visited me. When I was needing clothes, you clothed me. Let's put our faith into action. And the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Number four, pray and meditate. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is something that, unless we are intentional with, I don't think is going to happen very easily. For most of us, prayer is hard work. For personal devotional time, I will often choose to maybe rather listen to some music or take a walk in nature or you know, do some uh, carpentry uh, hobby tool you know, with my tools or read the Bible or well, for sure read you know, an inspirational book. That would be a really good devotional thing to do, right? Often I'd rather do those things for an hour than sit and pray for an hour. Why is that? Because prayer is hard work. Does that mean these other things are not important? Not at all. But sometimes they, <clears throat> excuse me, may be a cop-out that replaces the harder work of prayer. Now let me be clear that I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, not talking about one who has achieved victory in this or is consistent in my you know, discipline of doing this. I have a long ways to go in all this. And yet, Scripture teaches us to both pray without ceasing, that is, sending up these quick and timely and urgent, relevant kind of popcorn prayers throughout the day, but it also teaches us to engage in fervent, long, uninterrupted times of prayer. In my mind, one of those is more like the prayer of supplication that we read about in, in Philippians 4. And the other one is kind of our prayer, our walk with the Lord, our relationship with God. Is one better than the other or more biblical? Absolutely not. But I do think they have different purposes. And therefore, we should do both, not just kind of pick one or the other. In other words, if we want to develop a deeper relationship with our Father in heaven, to better understand the heart of God, to have more peace in our lives, common sense tells me that fervent and engaged prayer and meditation is more likely going to lay the foundation for that to happen than momentary, though timely and necessary, prayers will. So let's make both of these a priority in our lives. I've had the privilege of getting to know our Ethiopian brothers and sisters uh, in our churches in Edmonton and Toronto this past year in my work with the conference. And a common thing I hear and see is, is their passionate love for Jesus, which by their own admission isn't just their personality or their culture or their kind of style. They tell me it comes from spending a lot of time in prayer in fellowship with Jesus. Let's be people of prayer. And as we draw near to God, he will give us peace. Oh, and a little plug for our, uh, the church's EFC WhatsApp prayer group. Uh, a great way that we can practically be praying for one another, sharing our needs with each other, and thinking and praying for each other uh, day after day. What a beautiful gift that is. What the world needs now is peace. How can we bless a world in turmoil with God's peace this week? Well, with the Spirit giving us discernment, we can offer to meet the practical needs of our neighbors. 
maybe shoveling snow uh, off their driveways, grocery shopping for them, giving them a small gift card to a local restaurant, and however else the Spirit leads. Practical care. We can prayerfully usher our community, our neighbors, into the presence of God, advocating on their behalf before the throne of grace, whether they know that we're doing that or not. What a beautiful gift that prayer is. We can do it without people even realizing it. We can direct the conversation towards the one of hope and blessings for the country and community we live in, rather than something that I struggle to do is bash our government for their choices that they keep making, right? We can be praying for our government, praying for our community, praying for our medical teams and our scientists that are trying to resolve this issue. And then when the time comes, when the Lord opens doors for us, we can introduce people around us to the Prince of Peace in the midst of the turmoil around us. When Jesus was born, the angels proclaimed, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Jesus' birth brought peace, not the end of conflict, but peace in the midst of turmoil that surpasses all understanding. Why? Because we can know, each one of us personally, the one who is peace, Jesus himself. Let me end by saying this. Let's write our own history. And what I mean by that is it's not that we're in charge of our own lives. God is sovereign and he controls. Oh, that the history books would, though, someday look back and describe how in these current days that we're living in, the peace of God flowed out of the church and into the world, defying the powers of darkness and ushering in the light of Christ. That's what God has, God has called us to today. May we all experience his peace. Amen. Thanks a lot, Gerald. That, uh, that was, um, I'm trying to say something that isn't just, that was good. <laughs> that was really good. Um, it really connected a number of things. And I think for me, one of the things that, um, the really, there, there's a couple of things that kind of connected. One was, one was the connection between my daily walk with Christ and my experience of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was saying, I was saying to Karen on the way on the way here this morning. I said, I'm I'm interested to see what Gerald is going to say about peace, because. Um, I, I kind of look at pieces having two pieces, one piece of peace. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, but one is peace in the relationships mm-hmm. and one is peace in my own life. Right. And, and I, I looked this week and, and I realized that, um, you, you said you're, you admitted to being a, a worrier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll admit that this week I found myself not experiencing a lot of, peace kind of inside the turmoil kind of just unsettledness yeah like it it was just it was just i felt unsettled all week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i look back and i and as as you were saying you were i think you used the the comment at one point that we need we need to look and, and confess the times where we have chosen not to mm-hmm. not to follow after christ yeah. um and not to not to take that time mm-hmm. and i realized this week i've i've been really lousy mm at that investment of time with, with Christ. My, my scripture readings, you know, kind of, I slacked off on that a little bit. I, I, I wasn't as, 
focused on that. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was that what what happened there was this moment of, of confession yeah, right. and saying, right, right. Uh, okay, God, I, I think I under, I think I understand what you're trying to tell me yeah. this morning. Mm. Um, yeah. it let's, let's try this week to invest a little bit more and, and see if that makes, makes a difference. Um, we're, we're, we're not, uh, James is very clear that it's not by works, right? That's yeah. not our salvation. It's not by works, right? right. It's, it's trust and faith in him. But he still calls us to do our part. Yeah, and it's that it's that balance between those yeah. two. Because I don't want to say either that like peace is all dependent on my ability to do devotions. Right. No, that's not what it is. But no. it's, I think that my as my attention is turned to Christ, yeah. then my then my ability to 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 notice and to receive the gift of mm-hmm. love, of hope, of yeah. joy, of right. peace, actually actually is made more. It, it, I'm able to notice it easier, right? Yeah. Does that make? And I'm more receptive to it then. I my my receptors are in tune then more so with yeah. with with God and what His work is about. Yeah. I really like the challenges then, at the end. Um, I, I I I like that that idea of 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 challenging challenging us to f- to help focus us on on the hope and to offer that hope to others. Right. Um, yeah. It's so yeah. easy when. When we come in contact with someone who is who is uh, just not having a good day, yeah. mm-hmm. who is struggling with all of the situations, yeah. it's like we finally f- found. And if we're kind of leaning towards that, right. and we hear somebody, and it's like, "Yep, okay, yeah. you're my brother today. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna exactly. do in this together, right?" Yeah. And then and then it's you kind of walk away feeling like I'm yes. more fired up than I was before. Yeah. But what an amazing thing if we can offer hope in the right. midst of that. Yeah. Was, Amen. I appreciated that, Gerald. Um, Blessings. Yeah. And uh, and thank you for that. Yeah. I'm I'm just gonna say for um, as we take time to uh, to sing together, um, I would just invite you to take this as an opportunity, uh, a time of reflection as well. Um, for me, as Gerald was speaking, uh, there were things in my life that I was um, that were brought to my attention that that I I. I'll be honest that I felt like I needed to confess that I needed to um, work at trying to do better um, where I needed to invite God into into those situations um, he talked about inviting God into my worry and into my into my anxieties and and I think that there are some of those places where where I felt that and I'm just gonna invite you to where where you're at as well um, take some time to to evaluate, to to turn your attention to to Christ and what He's done for us. We're going to sing some songs that are um, that are focused on Jesus and our response to Him. and And I just would invite you to take this as an opportunity to eval- do some personal evaluation, some personal um, reflection, and take some time to confess. Take some time to to have those meaningful conversations with God in the midst of it. <laughs>